got me again twice. God damn you were, it. You were just easily suckered in. I, dude, I actually sat there and said, am I an idiot? <laughs> you wanted to be real to you. Damn it. <laughs> well, Matt, before we get started, uh, I know this is our NWA Power episode, but let's uh, kind of hit on some weird points here real quick, okay? Let's hit it. So after having recorded episode four, and we're working on five right now, we thought we'd pull the curtain back a little bit and give you a little behind the scenes of what's going on here at Face for Wrestling. Mm. We're not doing a full-on Q&A because we're not that popular yet. We give a question. Looking at you, John Wilson of Alabama. <laughs> hey. But we do want to sit here and uh, kind of expand what we're going to start using the audio format of this Uh, venue for and we'll kind of close the gaps between our stardom episodes along with still doing our nwa power reviews but it's obvious that people are really starting to dig the stardom episodes and we appreciate that for you the fans and the fact that stardom's getting some exposure yeah that was the goal was to bring stardom help bring stardom to america as much as possible and the nwa stuff was just something we enjoy and therefore we do it because it's fun for us so if we can use both to kind of help push that stardom thing, we, we, we'd rather push towards that as well. But we're going to keep doing NWA Power because it's freaking awesome. So in between our stardom episodes is when we usually record our NWA audio version. So if we miss anything from, let's say, episode four that's coming out, which is the show right after the uh, Goddess of Stardom tournament, we'll use this format here to kind of hit on some of the things we may have missed or want to highlight again just minor stuff yeah we'll shore it up and then we'll get into our nwa stuff and move on along with that the only thing else that we'll kind of give away from behind the curtain is the fact that our recording schedule is a little wonky and that's because both of us work and completely separate occupations as well too right right now i think we're about what eight thousand miles apart at least somewhere in that ballpark And by the time this episode comes out, we may actually be within a 1,000 miles apart. So what we're going to try to do is keep our stardom video episodes as confined as possible to that timeline and not really mention anything that's going on outside of that. Does that make sense? No. So, like, for example, in episode four where I start going into sucky. Right, right. That's something that happens way off in the future as far as our episodes are concerned. Correct. And I touch on a couple of highlights as far as, like, Stardom made it to the Tokyo Dome for Wrestle Kingdom 14. And we may sneak in a thing here or there about that. But as far as our Stardom video episodes are concerned, we're strictly staying in that timeline for stuff that happened at that time. Yeah, and we're going to try our damnedest to stay spoiler-free, with certain exceptions. So... In a weird way, we're going to kind of turn up the kayfabe knob a little bit on our stardom episodes. To six? To six. Not quite as high as 11. Not quite. A little over half. But that doesn't mean we're going to go full in silly for, you know, the kayfabe and whatnot on the episodes. They're going to stay like they are. Just know that we're not going to go outside of that timeline. Right. So let's do a little bit of house cleaning. You ready? Yeah. We're up to 20 subscribers with over 1,000 views on our channels just with Stardom episodes alone. Hey. That is awesome, guys. We appreciate it. Yeah, and you will forever get to tell everybody you were the first 20. You were there when we were nobodies, and you're still there 
now that we're slightly bigger nobodies. <laughs> I was about to say, we're still nobodies. <laughs> so if during this NWA episode you hear us kind of sidetrack a little bit, just know that that's what this is. That doesn't mean that we're trying to go around the elbow to get to the hand. These are still NWA-centric. Yes, and I have some NWA side topics to discuss with you today. Ooh, yeah. Because today we're covering NWA Power Episode 3, and I'm Waldo, joined as ever by Matt. I'm the Matt. And Dr. Brian somewhere over there. Did we get to hear him this week again? Yeah, he's busy. He's sequestered. I do want to note that we are getting a little bit better on the editing and quality. I would love some more feedback from our listeners on this. And I'm not trying to be facetious when I say that. It's because I generally am borderline deaf. Right. We genuinely want any constructive criticism you have. Like, if you think we suck, feel free to tell us we suck. But give us a reason why we suck and what you think we can do better. How big of a bag of poo on your doorsteps do I need to leave for you? <laughs> yeah, leave the leave the bag of poo, but add a note on why you left the bag of poo. Yeah. <laughs> Don't forget, you can follow us on the Twitter at Face for Wrestling, and we're on the Facebook at facebook.com slash Face for Wrestling. All right, Matt, you ready to get into power? I am about three minutes ready to get into power. Oh, you must be talking about the countdown. The countdown. I love it. I love their little <laughs> countdown intros. So we start off the week with another three-minute countdown video where they have just different tweets and twats and messages from fans. But this time they added in a bunch of different – it looks like podcasts slash reviewers giving their two cents on how awesome NWA is. It just adds a nice fan feel to the show and makes you feel like you're a part of what's going on. It's a really smart way of the NWA to build their fan base and build their community. So yeah, we get all this. We get a weird little song written by a fan about how good NWA is. And then the countdown video ends with a tweet from NWA champion Nick Aldis stating that as of today, he has been champion for one year in his second reign. And he's just welcoming the fans into watching the next episode of NWA as he's been champion now for one year. It seems to have flown by. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I, I think so. I've been going back and checking some of the 10 Pounds Gold series, and I'd highly recommend that uh, for anybody that hasn't really seen them except for the Power episodes. Uh-huh. It adds a little bit of backstory for a couple of the characters you see on Power like Josephus. Right. I, I am in the same boat. I think they did such a great job building up Tim Storm before I even really knew who he was. They did some really good work, as you said, with Josephus. Nick Aldis, it's made him a star even before they had a show. So I, I would definitely agree. Check out the 10 Pounds of Gold series if you get the chance. So then the countdown ends, and we go into a recap of the whole Nick Aldis, Camille, Joe Galley trying to interview her. I said, I'm kind of over this angle a little bit, but he does state at this one, producers have told him, hey, don't ask about Camille anymore. It's just ask the champion about his belt, and let's move on from here. And with that, we're back in the GPB studios in Atlanta, Georgia, with a crowd of 350, and they are excited to be there. Yeah, this is a really good crowd. Like, you wouldn't guess it was this small based off of the reactions and everything throughout the night. Uh, speaking of uh, small, uh, you remember, I think it was I think it was episode two of Stardom. No, it's uh, actually episode five, Kotakuen Hall. This place kind of reminds me of that because on the one hand, it looks small. But on the other hand, it doesn't. 
and the fans are in such a good area for the mics to pick up that it sounds like it's filled to the rafters. Right, which is a little bit negative this week, I do have to say. I had a hard time hearing the announcers throughout the entire show. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I was using closed caption for a lot of this show. Mm, Good plan. Between the ring noise and the crowd, I might have picked up 20% of what was said by the announcers. Oh, we're going to get to that ring here in a minute. Yeah. But our announcers tonight are Jim Cornette, still for now, and Joe Galley. Unfortunately, still for now. Yeah. He does get better. I know. I know. He just... He seems, I hate to use millennial type words, but he seems like a tryhard. Like, he just, I'm going to try really, really hard, and he's just not there yet. He's very reminiscent of an early Michael Cole. That's a good comparison. Eddie Kingston comes out and interrupts them both, asking for a mic. He complains a bit about the Dawsons and how wrestlers were supposed to be there for the world's oldest championships. Yeah, I thought this was a good spot. He comes out and basically says, you messed up our match. You shouldn't be interfering with this. Luckily, the NWA didn't take away our title opportunities, so we don't have to fight the Dawsons in the parking lot. We still get a chance at the belts in the future. But before we move that far, we want the Dawsons. We want them now. We want them next week. We want them in the back. We want them whenever we can get them. Sorry for interrupting you guys. Trying not to be rude. We just really want this fight to happen. I thought it was a good promo. The only thing that I didn't like about it is is that Kingston still curses a little bit. He curses a bunch. Hopefully he cleans it up soon because I don't really care for that being too much on TV. Like, if you have to you I know we cuss. I get it. But that's just between us and here on the show. We're talking right. amongst friends. But when you're trying to present a national product, and maybe we should actually look into this too and trying to clean up a little bit. Seems possible. You're potentially wanting to expand this to a more national, prominent role later on, right? Uh So they're not going to accept that nationally if you keep cursing like this. Well, there was that, and there was also the aspect of Kingston has a bit of – he likes to throw in a little bit of inside baseball. There's a part where he goes, you know, we want the Dawsons and we want them now. And Jim Cornette asks the crowd, do you want to see them fight the Dawsons? And Kingston looks at him and says, hey, don't steal my heat. Like, it's just these little terminologies, it's the cussing, it's just, he needs to find a way to better suit the product that they're trying to put out there. But on the other hand, he is a great fit for the NWA right now, too. Well, he, and he's, his promo skills, like I said, are really good. Like, he gets the crowd hyped with everything he says. We go in the ring where Marty Bell is coming out, and Crystal Rose is already standing by. I was a little thrown off by this. They announced Crystal Rose is from Skid Row. Is that still a thing? See, I had a note about this, too, that Galley had mentioned she was from Skid Row, but it wasn't necessarily about that. It was the second part of his commentary, and I'm going to splice it in, where he says, Strongly influenced by grunge, William Patrick Corgan's music, a really big inspiration for her, so you can... No! (laughs) Yeah, it was a weird intro for this chick. You're either from Skid Row or you're an emo Smashing Pumpkins fan. Pick one. Yeah. Yeah, it just didn't really – I haven't heard anybody mention Skid Rose since mid-90s. Maybe Joe Galley doesn't know what Smashing Pumpkins plays. <laughs> he, he knows that the owner used to be in a band. He just doesn't know what kind. Or doesn't even know the name because he never refers to the name. He just says his music. Oh, that's fair enough. Fair point. I see him walking around with the guitar. He must be some sort of musician. <laughs> <laughs> we kick off, and Bell starts out with a body lock, but Rose elbows her way to get out of it. 
Cornette has a beautiful line here. He's a hell of a guy. He's a stand-up guy, but he's crazy as a rainbow trout in a car wash. There are times where I feel like Cornette is like the Jeff Foxworthy of wrestling, in addition to his vast wrestling knowledge. <laughs> yeah, he's got some weird little liners in this one tonight. Nice arm drag from Bell, followed by her kind of readjusting Rose to be in the right direction for an Irish whip into the corner. But it's reversed, and Bell gets her foot up to counter everything. Rose goes in after Bell, but she locks her legs around Rose's head and her Karana's Rose out of the corner. Nice round of applause for that. Bell finally connects with a rush to the corner after a successful Irish whip, and Gally finally acknowledges the match in the ring. And Cornette gets an update from the production truck. Matt, can you tell us what's going on here? Not 100%. Like I said, it's kind of hard to hear the announcers, but Jim Cornette does insist a couple times, and he does say they've talked to the Dawsons, and they're going to be out after this match to address the situation with Kingston and Homicide. Bell gets at Rose's feet to put her ass in the corner and goes for another corner splash, uh -huh. but she dodges it this time, and she then proceeds to hit some interesting stomps to Bell in the corner. I don't quite know if you would consider these like the working carny stomps or whatever okay yeah she was not walking a mud hole she's okay. more like splashing the mud hole dabbing her toes in decent jumping knees to the chest in the corner to bell from rose to finish up in the corner as she sets up bell across the ropes and puts her knees to the back of bell's head i like this spot this is a good spot rose has bell over her shoulders but bell elbows out of it and pushes rose into the ropes yeah this one made me laugh a little bit because she Bill. puts her up on her shoulder and immediately yells, it, it was very uh, chunk from the Goonies. You get a quick look at the announcer's desk, and both Cornette and Galley are looking straight at the match in the ring. It makes sense. Yep. They don't have monitors, and aside from the backstage stuff, they don't have a lot of area in the studios to visually cover, so it's, it's right there in front of them. Yeah, I, I like this, because occasionally throughout other matches as well, you'll see Marquez over in his little corner. And they're all three intently watching the matches. They're not distracted by other things. They're not hanging out in the back and only coming out for their spots. They're actually engaged with the product. Bell hits another forearm to Rose. She tries for another one, but it's blocked, reversed, and then Bell finally knocks down Rose. Rose stumbles into the corner to get up, and Bell rushes over. Rose falls to her ass in the corner, and Bell goes for another corner hit. It was probably the most gentle corner hit we've seen since we've started covering any women's wrestling. Right. Stardom this ain't. <laughs> it is not. Bill catches Rose in the middle of the ring with a gut kick into the pedigree as Cornette tells us he's hip with the lingo of today. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he says he's hip to that, as the kids would say. So I actually yeah. have a question about Cornette's use of move names here. Uh-huh. Same. I have the same note. He calls this before. the Pearl River Plunge. It's clearly a pedigree. Clearly, right? Right. I don't remember the Pearl River Plunge that much, but it was a power bomb of some sort, wasn't it? Let me, let me look that up. No, I, I can tell you what it is, though. The Pearl River Plunge was a move straight out of the Ahmed Johnson repertoire. If I know my Ahmed Johnson history, and I do, the plunge was a pedigree start, and then he flipped it over into a powerbomb after he got him up. Fair enough. So technically, Cornette's not fully wrong, but this was definitely more of a pedigree than a pro over plunge. As soon as I saw her hit the pedigree, though, you think of every Ahmed Johnson promo ever. Sorry. I love Ahmed Johnson. 
You're you and about no one else. <laughs> Bill gets the three with the pedigree and two twenty two. Yeah, it was a it was an all right match, um, a bit squashy. So you know that they've got plans for Marty Bell, but I would say that Marty Bell needs a little bit more work to clean up some of this stuff. She's a little sloppy in my opinion. Decent opener. You can't be expecting the matches on Power to go 10-plus minutes when the show is usually about an hour long. Mm-hmm. And they're setting up for a upcoming pay-per-view here pretty soon. Right. So this is where you establish the rising talent and add credibility and continuity to the story. Yeah. That being said, I think we're a little partial to women's wrestling on this show. Agreed. And therefore are also a little bit more critical of it as well. Not saying this was bad, but compared to stardom, this was a practice session. Even to where Fed is at this point in time, this was not high on the totem pole of women's wrestling matches. So I know that we don't do star ratings here on this show because we don't believe in it. But in the future, for any women's matches, I'm going to start putting them on a stardom scale. This was a quarter of a stardom match on a scale from nothing to full stardom. Quarter of a stardom? Yep. (laughs) Uh, I say that's a little bit generous, but I don't want to go low. I don't want to give it a zero because it was not. It was not unserviceable, so I'll, I'll go with that. I'll go quarter of a stardom. Cut over to Dave Marquez, who brings out the Dawsons. I have a note here, 1152, where Cornette says, These people could warm up to the Dawsons if they were cremated with them. Yeah, he gets a couple little uh, Undertaker jokes out tonight. Undertaker the profession, not the wrestler. Hey, hey. Ah, uh, the NWA and their unique chance. <laughs> Dawson's Creek. I'm going to cut that in. Dawson's Creek. Oh, God damn it, Matthew. Did you get in trouble again? Yeah. I much prefer these chants over the regular bullshit chants that the Fed gets. Yeah, it has to It has to do with the wrestlers that are currently being interviewed, so it fits. And it, and it shows actual hill heat, not just we're bored. You know I like my 80s wrestling, right? I do. This was a big 80s shouty in-your-face promo. It's definitely a screamy tag team promo from the 80s. What'd they say? They said things happen. Things happen for a reason. We're ruffling feathers. Shut up. Shut up. Let us talk. Then the other Dawson takes over. We're throwing our weight around. And it's a lot of weight. And we'll fight anybody in the back, period. Because we're awesome and people are already challenging us. We'll fight anybody. Except for Kingston and Homicide. And the crowd boos. Excellent hill work. Cut over to a commercial letting us know that Into the Fire is coming in December. Still a great show. Yes. Then cut to a promo package for La Princia de la Muerte. Great little mini pro- pipe package for her. Just it cutting in and out of her putting on her Day of the Dead makeup. I, I thought it was a really well done package. She recently put on her uh, YouTube channel uh-huh. an instructional of how to do that makeup. Nice. Guess what I'm looking like at work tomorrow? (laughs) Female wrestler? (laughs) Don't give a shit. They're going to have some questions. I have no shame. (laughs) (laughs) To the interview desk with Gally, who was supposed to bring out Tim Storm, but Aaron Stevens comes out instead and is confused with the bad reaction. And he's dressed like a pirate. Again, awesome NWA chants here. We get... And we also get... Yeah, it's a really nice package where he starts off by reminding everybody that don't make eye contact. 
and I'll give Joe Galley credit on this. Like he spends most of the time with his hand in front of his own eyes, trying to make sure he doesn't do the eye contact. He is selling Aaron Stevens really well here. I love this crowd. I also like how Stevens tells us that his new movie is on Blu-ray, DVD, and exclusively in Romania on VHS. And what is that new movie? I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Tropical Pirates. <laughs> Yar, there be butt pirates. <laughs> <laughs> and we get an excellent little clip of the movie Tropical Pirates, which is just a bunch of B-roll from different pirate movies, and then him telling a woman she's awesome before more B-roll from pirate movies. Stevens closes his interview and leaves, but says, when it comes to acting, he has more chops than Ric Flair. Ha ha ha! Not to scale. This segment was amazing. It's so cheesy, I can't be mad at it. No, it, it just, he's got the crowd exactly where he wants them. He plays this cocky, swarmy dude so well. I'm just, it, it's great. The NWA Deal of the Week commercial. Do we want to give a shout out to NWA's merchandise people at the moment? Oh, absolutely. Miss Tracy? Yeah. An amazing lady. She is on the ball over there, NWA. If you order something, it gets there so fast that it might get there the day before you order it. Yeah, and I just want to point out that we are not being paid. This is not promotional on our side. We just really are this stoked by their merchandise and like how easy it is to order, how quick you get it, how responsive they are. If you have any questions or concerns, they just really have a good merchandising setup over here. So definitely a shout-out to these guys. And it's at this time that I have random side question of the day. Okay. So on the NWA 70 DVD, um, the cover is all this and Cody Rhodes. Didn't we talk and about this last episode? We did, but that was the history of the belt. It was not NWA 70. Okay. And so I had a question for you this week. One of the big things that we like about NWA is that they pay homage to like the previous champions and the legacies and all this stuff. So my question kind of is, when it comes to using Cody to use to sell your merchandise, as a former champion, and being that they like to look back on legacy and everything, when do you think, like, how far out does Cody need to be before we would approve of them using him as this legacy champion? Do you, do you get what I'm saying? I honestly think that should AEW book better, and this is... Strictly coming from somebody that just doesn't prefer what AEW's doing. I don't hate right. it. I just don't prefer it. There's a big difference there. Right. And with Cody being over there in AEW and undergoing the current storyline that he's going through, I think that by trying to piggyback off of him and their popularity that they have over there right now, uh -huh. it's because I don't prefer AEW, which is why I think I don't like this as much. Does that make sense? No, I got you. So if Cody... If Cody was in a good angle, on a good show... And presented better as a champion... Then you would be like, it's fine to use him for your stuff. Since he's being possibly used bad on a bad show, depending on a person's view of the product, maybe well, don't I'll, use him. I'll, I'll go back to a better example, or a different example that we could use a little bit better right now. Are you ready? Okay. Yeah. Uh, we've talked for the past couple of weeks about Eli Drake, right? Right. When we first saw him pop up in the NWA, both of us were kind of staring at him going, oh, not this again, because we saw him based off of his TNA slash Impact slash Owl stuff, right? Right. But we gave him 
10, 15 more minutes, and he's the greatest thing since sliced bread for us. Yeah, he might be the best thing on the show. So I think there's a little bit of that going on is that you see from our perspective, since we don't prefer AEW, Uh we think it's kind of hokey some of the stuff they're doing over there. When you see that, you just kind of see Cody and you're like, oh, man, not this. It's it's not we don't want to hitch a wagon to Cody. It's we don't want to hitch a wagon to Cody and AEW. I think that would be a better way to put it. Okay. I got you. But at the same time, I see where NWA is coming from right now, too, is that they're a baby in the pro wrestling business as a promotion. Yeah, yeah. Even though the brand has been around since 1948, William Patrick Corgan has only had this for, what, a couple of years? Uh, Yeah, yeah. It's still fairly early in his ownership. So I can see where just about any publicity is good publicity. I got you. I can see that. The second part of the question was there's been some other title defenses prior to the show that don't get nearly as publicized, and we'll go into them in the future, that have helped keep the belt relevant that they never speak on until later when it becomes relevant, and yet they keep bringing up the Cody thing. It's like they're choosing to try to try to get a little bit of popularity because he's popular right now as opposed to some of the other people aren't popular at the moment. And would you say that's probably a bit of a negative as well? I think another reason that they're picking him is that he really is the most popular former NWA champ that's on, and he's the only one out there right now. All the other former NWA champs that still wrestle are in the NWA. Fair enough. He's the only one that's not there and he's also the most popular among them right now right right so let's say there were four or five previous nwa champions that were still in actively wrestling right now Mm -hmm. and spread out across the different promotions okay would they still hitch their wagon to cody at that point i got you and like i said i I know we have somewhat touched on this in the last episode and this will be kind of the last time i bring this up i just wanted to kind of go in depth on the the cody aspect so that's why I wanted to bring it up this week so we don't have to do it again in the future, even if it happens again in the future. So I just wanted to kind of get that out of the way so we don't have to keep going back to it and keep bringing up these side things that are going on in the modern timeline. Uh, cut to a flashback from two weeks ago of Storm versus Aldous. The one part of the show I'm not a fan of. Go on. Prior to Aaron Stevens come out, they pitched that Tim Storm is coming out to interview, and they didn't show this package. Now they're showing this package saying Tim Storm is going to come out for an interview. Why didn't you play this package when you thought he was coming out before? I think we touched on this last episode, too, where some of their packages were kind of out of order. Yeah, it just it kills a little bit of the kayfabe there. Okay, you guys knew Aaron Stevens was coming out because you didn't play the package before Tim Storm to come out, and now you're doing it. Well, we leave that, and we go back in the ring with Dan Parker, the D-man, waiting for Caleb Connolly and his starter mullet to come out. Holy shit, the D-man's jacket. That thing is amazing. I thought you might think that. It's the mullet of jacket. I was about to say, combine that jacket with that starter mullet. (laughs) It reminded me very much so of something, I don't think he ever did, but something that Tito Santana would have worn back in the day. El Matador? It seemed very El Matador-ish for a Canadian. (laughs) (laughs) Are there even bulls in Canada? No. (laughs) I was trying to think if there was any wrestler with bull in their name from Canada, but I can't. I got none. I got none. What do you mean a bull moose? <laughs> oh, there we go. Can he be the bull moose, Matador? 
Ooh. Get D-Man on the phone. We got a gimmick for him. Parker gets a Connolly gets a good reaction from the shine that was put on him last week. And we had mentioned in the last episode where that's a high point of the NWA right now where you have to establish your enhancement talent. I think We're it was s- episode one and not episode two, but I, I have to agree with you 100%. So these guys, you have to build upon every little chance that you get no matter what stage of the card that we're at. And I think this match proves that they did a good job with that. Yeah, and I also want to give props to Dan Parker. For somebody who looks like he's probably about to get squashed, he does some really good crowd work. He does some really good hill work. Well, I have a note here that Parker tries to talk some trash, but he's Canadian and doesn't really know how. Yeah, it's great. There's also a really good line where um, Joe says that Parker is proud to be Canadian. And Cornette goes, why? That's like being the nicest guy in prison. (laughs) He goes, oh, wait, I have a lot of Canadian fans. I didn't mean that. That reminds me of an old uh, Kanata joke that I told you a while back. Go ahead. Do you know what a Canadian mugging is? No. That's where they give you their wallet. (laughs) But in all seriousness, Parker knows how to get the crowd working for this match. Yeah, he does a really good job. He clearly defined who we should be cheering and booing for in this match, and we haven't even seen Parker yet. Yeah, it's really well done. I see great things in his future. I hope to, yes. A little bit of shoving around and into a headlock from Connolly to the D-Man. Smooth reversal display from both of them, in and out of a hammerlock and into a standing headlock. D-Man breaks out of it and tosses Connolly down, but he kicks right back up as D-Man is starting to showboat, and starts to chicken off. Woo? Woo? D-Man tries to get in a cheap fist, but Connolly blocks it and returns a snug-sounding slap to the face. Yeah, Connolly's a little bit snug throughout this entire match. A couple of chops from Connolly to D-Man, and they reverse some whips into the corner until Connolly ducks for a back body drop to the D-Man. But he stops and grabs Connolly while he's bent over and chunks him out of the ring. As D-Man is showboating again, he turns around to see that Connolly was only tossed onto the apron, and D-Man goes to strike him, but Connolly dodges and hits Parker instead. Yeah, it's a good spot. Connolly walks to the corner and appears to be going up, but he's just using the ropes to flip over back into the ring into a hurricanrana on Parker. That was pretty slick. I got to give him that. Yeah, it's very old school high flyer maneuvers here. Like, you could definitely see Flying Brian pulling off some of these moves. I was thinking more along the lines of, like, high flyer in the sense of Ricky Steamboat when he was considered high flyer. That's what I'm saying. Same thing. It's that old school high flyer. I don't have to throw in 50 flips to do everything. I just do a quick little jump off. Oh, excuse me. Excuse me. I don't have to do 50 flips and break my ankle. I'll have you know. That, too. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, yeah. We hope hope he's okay. Yeah. So it's it's just a nice old-school way of doing the high-flying. And since nobody else is doing it on the card, he doesn't have to do a whole lot. D-Man goes for a kick to Connolly, but his foot is caught. Connolly kicks Parker's feet out from under him and does a jump and senton onto Parker. I'm sorry, I keep using D-Man because I just like the name. <laughs> it's a good name. It's so dumb, but it works. I know. The D-Man goes for a pin, but it only gets a one. See how awesome it is to say? Yeah. <laughs> they go into the corner. Parker is Irish whip into the opposite corner, and Connolly goes for the running shoulder. But Parker moves out of the way and tries to rush the corner himself. Connolly was able to get the elbow up just in time and starts to go up top. 
But the D-man sees it and starts to yank the foot out from under Connolly, and he comes crashing down because it hurts inside. <laughs> Get some decent knees to the chest. Uh, knee to the midsection of a running Connolly, and Parker goes for the pin right after a little bit of taunting, but it only gets a two. Nice abdominal stretch, and Parker tries to cheat by using the ropes for leverage. The ref catches on, and as Parker is trying to cover it up, Conley is able to get out with a hip toss to Parker. Yeah, this was another moment in, in the night that I had a little bit of a almost problem with. Because the ref, instead of counting, keeps trying to catch him and maybe move him away from the ropes. The ref should just count. That's your job. If he's cheating, you, you disqualify him. Don't insert yourself. Another shoulder block from Conley to Parker into the corner. As Conley is laying against the ropes, Parker picks up a foot to yank him onto the mat, but Conley gets in a beautiful enziguri. Fists exchange in the middle of the ring until Conley gets in a fancy spinning slap into a nice toss-up and slam to Parker. Conley goes up top and hits a springboard moonsault and gets the three in 419. Yeah, I really like this finisher. It was a springboard moonsault from the second rope up to the top rope with a bit of a spin involved into a moonsault and the fact that like we said he hasn't been doing 50 flips for every move it makes this move seem that much more special Connolly looks like a million bucks to the crowd after the match and although he has a good look and can go in the ring a large part of it is due to dan parker yeah dan parker totally did his job in this match parker was really starting to open up during this match he made it apparent at the start of the match that he was the bad guy and that the crowd should be booing him and by proxy, they were cheering Connolly as the default good guy. Yeah, we even at one point got random USA chants because he's from Canada. Now, don't get me wrong. Connolly had to do his part, too. He couldn't go out there and just be shit and get the crowd on his side. But I see big things for Parker here as he clearly has the aptitude for wrestling and for Connolly as he knows how to feed off of the crowd as well. Just finish your mullet. Yeah, get the mullet all the way finished so that Waldo will... Quit bothering you about your mullet. Back to Galley at the interview desk, and Tim Storm comes out. Uh, Storm still just looks happy to be there. Yeah, he's happy, but he's also a bit distraught. I wonder if this guy does inspirational speaking, because I would damn sure go to one of his seminars. I could assume that he's one of those teachers that very much so tries to, you know, you're going to be something someday. You can do it. My favorite part of the show's right here, Matt. Your favorite part. As Tim is letting the crowd eat this up, a guy from the crowd. We love you, Tim. Thank you. Thank you, guys. <laughs> you, know, you, you say that, and you guys, you, you, were, you got it, but the truth is Mama Storm still loves me, too. And it's, uh, and here's, <laughs> you really made a star out of your mother. Is this not the good guy that the NWA needed, or even wrestling needed for that matter? Yeah, he's 100% babyface. I said, we haven't seen anybody this babyface since Sting in the 90s. It's phenomenal. And the crazy part is, is I, I know we've mentioned this before, we saw him wrestle before he became this whole NWA thing. And he was really good at being a heel as well. Like, he just goes full-fledged into whatever heel or face he has to be, and just soaks it up and does it so great if we could fantasy book matt right i'd say we make the ultimate babyface stable Ooh. tim storm 
and Mayu. Okay. That would be the most ultimate babyface team in wrestling history. But there's only two people. we got to finish out the stable. It's got to be at least five. Five? Five people make a stable. Uh, okay. Who are your other three? <laughs> you might want to go let Julia know about that rule. <laughs> Her stable's not finished yet. <laughs> Could you imagine putting Tim Storm and Mayu as a team together? I think it'd be a great team. Oh, like I said, I think you just need a couple more people. One of who is on their way. We don't know who they are yet. We'll touch on that later. Now, let's not forget that Tim Storm is still a big dude. Oh, he's massive. His shadow alone would hide my ear. It's still the whole um, Reese and Kidman intro from the flock days. Mayu just rides the ring on his shoulder. You and this flock thing, man. Raven's the greatest wrestler of all time. Eli Drake comes out and talks directly to Tim in a very serious tone. Yeah, uh, the beginning of the interview, we have Tim Storm very much so making it seem like he's going to retire or slow down. He, You know, I lost. Now I have some decisions to make. Eli Drake immediately comes out and says, hey, none of that nonsense. You said Mama Storm doesn't want you to get hurt, but I bet you even more, Mama Storm doesn't want you to give up. You're on the list. You're on the list of champions with Harley Race and Ric Flair. And you've got so much more to give and so much more to do. And hey, so what if you can't challenge for that title belt anymore? There's other titles. There's other teams. Let's get together and maybe go for some gold, me and you. And I've taken the decision out of your hand. You and I are fighting the Dawsons tonight. What do you say? Eli Drake is just great on the mic, man. Oh, yeah. He totally, totally gives the crowd everything they want in this promo. He gives them everything they want, only for Tim Storm to then pull on the heartstrings a little bit with, I don't know, man, I'll think about it, and walk off as a crowd kind of boos. Big things to come, man. Hopefully. We cut over to another commercial. Commercial? This one's starring Josephus' spiritual advisor. What is her name? Spiritual advisor. (laughs) Fair enough. Back to the interview desk, and Josephus is out. You don't want to go over the commercial? Not really. (laughs) It's the worst of their commercials, but I did like two things about it. One, it's invisible hair cream, because you're not bald. The hair's just invisible for $59.95 a week. Stupid. (laughs) It's the the weakest of their commercials so far. Back to the interview desk, and Josephus is out with a bag, and they highlight him being chased by James Storm last week. Two weeks ago, but yeah. Josephus whispers to Marquez, and he announces that Josephus wants to apologize to James Storm and shake his hand. But Cabana comes out, and Josephus pulls out a cowboy hat and hands it over to Cabana. Now Josephus hands him a beer and says, I just want to shake your hand. <laughs> What's going on here, Matt? I, I don't know, because at first it was Colt Cabana, but then everybody just pretends that Colt Cabana is James Storm, and... Colt Cabana pretends to be James Storm for some reason. Cabana starts trying to walk away, but Josephus won't let his hand go. Josephus explains that he has something else for Cabana Storm and tosses powder in his face and starts to beat on him in the ring. Yeah, I like that Joe Galley asked what kind of powder this is. Jim Cornette's response, some kind of medicated foot powder. But the real James Storm comes out from behind and hits a last call to Josephus. And as he's about to leave, He starts stalking Cabana, but Mr. Anderson comes in to pull Cabana out for the save as they cut to a promo of Marquez telling us about a meet and greet. 
Yeah, but there was also a really nice moment when Anderson pulls Cabana out of the ring. They end up over near the ring announcers who start to pretend choke and everything because they say the powder is just that powerful. Really good on Jim Cornette and Galley here selling the poisonous powder to the face. Back to Galley at the desk as Nick Aldis and Camille come out. Yeah, he's going to interview Nick, and we've been promised at the early part of the show that he's not going to ask him about Camille at all. Let's see if he can keep that promise. Nick says there's a horse race for the next challenger. At this time, the crowd starts yelling out names that they want to see him fight. We get Eli Drake. Yes, yes, that'd be a great challenger. James Storm. Oh, yeah, yeah, James Storm is definitely on the list. He's great. He's good. Josephus. Well, we'll have to talk about that one. <laughs> that, that was pretty good. <laughs> he was. He did a really good job. He then proceeds to put Ricky Starks over. Phenomenal. Didn't need to, didn't have to, but makes Ricky Starks look like a million bucks here. Where he says, I don't know if he's ready for a title shot yet, but if I could choose any wrestler in wrestling, I would choose Ricky Starks. He's the future of this business. He then goes on to say, but I don't think anybody's quite ready to, I don't think anybody's quite at that level yet, so I'm just going to kind of sit back and watch to see if anybody steps up. And if they don't, I might have to look elsewhere and go to a different company. Planting the seeds, maybe? Planting some seeds. Joe then interrupts and says, hey, I don't want to be disrespectful, but I want to ask you a question about Camille. Great line from Aldis here who says, have you ever noticed that as soon as someone says no disrespect, they immediately are completely disrespectful? He says, this is the NWA. We wrestle. We focus on wrestling. We focus on fighting. We focus on happen- what happens in that ring. We're not worried about BS and clickbait and all this nonsense. But you know what? If you want to ask her a question, ask her a question. She's right here. Joe then asks Camille, hey, man, what's up? And we get silence. Alda says, see, I didn't tell her not to say anything. She doesn't want to talk to you. Leave her alone. Leave us alone. Hopefully, this gimmick is dead. Well, I won't spoil it for you then. <laughs> oh, then maybe it's dead. Yeah, I'm just not a fan of this whole Camille, will she talk, will she, won't she talk angle. Like I said Nick Aldis is, is starting to get there, I think. Like I said, I always thought he was a bit lacking in the promo. But he's starting to get there. He definitely shows some sign of improvement this week. And I'm excited to see where we're going to go with the belt. I'm okay with the way that the storyline is playing out. I'm fine with that. I do think that they're beating on this drum a little bit too much and hard. Yeah, agreed. So we leave that interview, right? Is this your second favorite part of the show? Matt, I have some questions for you. What questions? Are you ready for karate? Karate. We don't know that yet. Karate is coming to the NWA from Mongrovia. Yeah, good little hype package here for the question mark. Who is the question more? Question the NWA. My body is ready. <laughs> <laughs> it's our last match of the night, and it's Eli Drake and Tim Storm coming out to Mama Storm Chance versus the Dawsons. Yeah, I think they could have built up the will Tim Storm join him or not a little bit longer, but I can't complain. You know, we got a time limit. Let's get them out here. Let's get this match started. Before we kick off, the ref is making sure that the wrestlers starting outside the ring are holding on to their tag ropes. Good! Because the rules matter. Kick off with Eli and Dave, and Eli is taunting Dave by pointing out the Dawson Creek chants. Dave gets a knee to the gut of 
Eli and ask him to verify the Dawson Creek thing in the corner, followed by a nice headbutt. Eli tries a couple of running forearms, but Dave is too big to be knocked down. Eli then comes flying off of the ropes to hit a flying crossbody, which does put him down. Irish whipped into the ropes. Dave tries to catch Eli off guard, but Eli hits a spinning neck breaker. Man, Eli's looking better every time we see him, dude. Yeah, and I actually want to give a little bit of credit to the Dawsons here. I thought they were going to be terrible. They're not bad. I know we're going to be beating on the same drum again when, when I say this, but he looks to be right at home here in the NWA. Oh, yeah. Eli sets up for a suplex and showboats. Dave gets in a punch and walks over to tag in Zane, and Zane goes straight for that suplex, but Eli flips, reverses it into a reverse neckbreaker and follows up with an elbow while Zane is down. It was quick, too. It was real quick. Yeah, he, like I said, he's looking great, and like I said, the Dawsons are selling for him, making him look phenomenal. Tim Storm comes in, and Cornette mentions that although he's just a tad bit slower, it's going to hurt more because he's a tank. Fair point. I mean, it is kind of a quick physics lesson in the world of wrestling, so... That's all you need. Storm works over Zane for a bit and tags in Eli for a bit of double-teaming. Eli tries to Irish whip Zane, but Zane holds up on the rope and tosses Eli into the corner. As he's charging Eli, Eli gets his foot up and does a quick second-rope bulldog. He only gets a two out of it and tags in Storm. More big man punching and moving around. It's a different style. But Storm looks like a brick shithouse in here, man. Yeah, he does. Eli comes in for some team offense. Good tech team work here, and neither Eli or Storm are not staying in too terribly long to kind of spoil us too much. Yeah, they're doing a really good old-school tag, in and out, keep somebody fresh at all times, tag team wrestling. That way each of them can get their time in on Zane and keep fresh at the same time. Right. I don't think these two have ever tagged together before. Do you know of anything? Not to my knowledge, no. But you wouldn't know that by watching this match, man. No, and there's actually a really good line here from Cornette at some point to where he talks about how even their tag team champions, the wild card, sometimes Mm -hmm. good chemistry can do better than good history. Oh, that's good. I like that. Yeah. Going back to Storm being a bit of a slower wrestler, even though he doesn't move as fast as Eli, you can definitely tell he still knows everything he's doing. Yeah, you're getting... Three different styles of fighting in this match. You have Eli's quick offense. You have James Storms's tankish offense. And then from both teams, you have really good tag team oriented wrestling. So you're getting three very distinct styles from all the different wrestlers. And it makes for a really exciting match to watch. Zane gets Storm in a bear hug and pushes him into the corner and gets the tag into Dave. A few chops and tag team corner work, and we go into the middle of the ring to an upper body bear hug, and the crowd starts a clap to get Storm moving. Yeah, again, the announcers are on point here. They're mentioning the fact that two weeks ago in the title match, all this was going for Storm's back, so it's probably still in bad shape here. And they put over the Dawsons by being smart heels for wanting to work on that lower back. Storm is playing into this crowd perfectly. I don't really understand why Storm is just now starting to get his national break and not earlier in his career. Yeah, he must have been terrible up until five years ago because he's so good now that he would have had to have been just the worst wrestler in the world for them not to be using him somewhere. Cut in the Mama Storm chance. As you should. Cordette is building up a great story here for Storm. He points out that Storm is at a disadvantage because of his age, but that he's overcoming it. 
it makes for this perfect underdog story for him. Yeah, and it plays into what they've been building up earlier in the night with, you know, has he done all he can do? As you said, he's what, fifty three years old, I think they say at some point. Yeah. So he's he's gonna he's gonna gas out quicker. And it plays up into the whole story of what do I do now? It's really well put together match with a good exclamation point on it from Jim Cornette selling Tim Storm this way. But I'd have to suggest that you don't let Storm hear you saying that while he's inside the ring. Yeah, because he might just bail out and come over and have a more in-depth talk with you about that. I'm not fighting that tank. Storm gets the hot tag to Eli, and he comes in to clean house. He knocks down Dave off the apron and hits a beautiful side Russian leg sweep to Zane. A couple of Irish whips, and Eli knocks Dave off the apron, who was waiting to interfere. Zane gets him into what looks to be a back body drop, but Eli almost literally flies out of it to put a choke around Zane's neck and toss him down onto the mat. Dude, he looked like he was about to defy gravity here. Yeah. Zane starts crawling back to his corner for a tag, but Dave is still out on the floor. Eli notices this and tags in Storm. Eli grabs Storm for an Irish whip into the corner, but Storm reverses it to send Eli over instead. But Zane dips out at the absolute last second, and Eli connects with the ring post. Great action, great camera work. Everything was spot on on this. Yeah, these big boys, like, he moved out of the way, like you said, at the last minute, and they're billing him as over 300 pounds. I, I would say they're probably fairly accurate on that, but he can go. He can move. Storm starts to go after Zane, but Dave gets his knee up as Storm hits the ropes. Zane gets Storm up for Dave to come in and do the sandwich thing, and Zane gets the three in 715, and the crowd is pissed. Oh, yeah, they're so anti what just happened. But I'd argue it, it's exactly what needed to happen. Post-match, the Dawsons beat up on Storm until Kingston and Homicide come in to clear the Dawsons out. As the Dawsons walk out, they chase after them, and then Aldous comes out to check on Storm. And that's it to close the show. Yeah, you get a little bit of Aldous maybe looking at Drake like, why'd you make him do this match? Him wondering whether or not Storm is okay. Like, and he's doing this all with facial expression. There's no words. It's just really, really good job on Aldous. Drake and Storm selling this in the post-match. I do want to give a big shout-out to the Dawsons for in this match. It may not seem like it, but they played a very critical part in this show by being at the right place at the right time and being the right team to be the heels here. I When they first said it was going to be versus the Dawsons, I was not looking forward to it. They uh, We've only seen them in a squash match up to this point, correct? Yeah. I, I wasn't that impressed by the squash match. But everything they did in this match, I'm actually excited to see more from these guys. They can tell a story in that ring. And they made everybody around them look great as well. Damn good main event for a TV show, too. Yeah, for your third week of TV, if this is your main event, you're doing something right. Eli and Storm work great together and contrast each other enough to highlight the positives. The match did everything it was supposed to do and put a shine on everyone here. It did leave some unanswered questions to bring the viewer back next week as well, too, which is always a good thing that a lot of wrestling shows in the U.S. are really missing right now. Yeah, they just every show is episodic and ends then, and we don't need any more. Whereas with this, it gives you a reason to want to come back. You want to know what's going to happen to Tim Storm next. What is all this planning? Where does Storm go from here? And why aren't there more mullets? <laughs> I feel like at least one of those questions will be answered soon. Oh, it's coming. The mother of all mullets. <laughs> I'm going to have a show done just by me, an hour long, 
about that mullet. <laughs> you want to do a mullet retrospective? Yeah. <laughs> You've promised the fans now at this point. It's on its way. Well, that pretty much wraps it up. Is there anything that we're really missing as far as the episode goes? No, uh, I think that was it for the show. What were your thoughts on the show? Absolutely a great show. We're so used to having three, five, six, 20-hour TV shows of wrestling now that a one-hour show is a great refresher. If done correctly, you have enough storyline and action all at the same time to make you want to take a break and come back next week. You don't want to binge watch all of it. You'll burn out. Yeah, I think it clocks in at 48 minutes. And three of that is Countdown, so you're looking at about a 45-minute show. Super easy watch. And like you said, it leaves you actually wanting more. Besides the opening match, I I don't really have any negative, nothing negative in the wrestling. And even the opening match that I wasn't a big fan of, it went two minutes. Like, who can complain about that? There's nothing that I can overly complain about in this show. And considering it's their third show, and they've already seemed to figure out a formula that works... Kudos, hats off. Keep up the good work. I know there were only three matches, and I would you're kind of blindly throwing a dart to say what was match of the night. But for me, I'll tell you right now, it was Conley and Parker. Yeah, I, I'm definitely going to give it to Conley and Parker. I really like the main event, but I have to go with Conley and Parker to lead into our next section, the Hill of the Week, which I wanted to give to Parker, but I can't. But he deserves a little bit of recognition, so I'm giving him an, I'm giving him the match of the night. I've got to give Aaron Stevens Hill of the Night. Just the pirate stuff, the don't look me in the eyes. It was just phenomenal. Aaron Stevens is my choice for Hill of the Week. What's yours? Well, this has been something difficult for me to admit, Matt. What's that? I can already tell you on our next Stardom episode, it's not going to be Flair. Uh Uh-oh. There's just so much going on right now in Stardom that I just can't in good conscience give it to Flair. Especially after watching him do his new performance called Bumping on Ice. (laughs) <laughs> have you seen this shit <laughs> i've seen him try to ice skate but that's why you're heel of the week this week flair because if it's cold enough for ice to be outside it's too goddamn cold to begin with well and on top of that we had aaron stevens say he has more chops than rick flair and rick flair didn't come out to oh that is true confront him on this <laughs> that is true flair didn't come out to confront him on it yeah well there you go a little bit disappointed flair, you. heel of the night but wait until our stardom episode. I'm about to go into another hour-long rant by myself. <laughs> mullets and Japanese wrestling. It's all he rants about. What about Japanese women mullets? There's an exception to the rule on this. Okay. Uh, but before we do that, picture yeah. this. Yeah. It's the main event. Mayu's in the ring. Waiting for her opponent. Mystery opponent. Out comes Aja Kong with a brand new shiny mullet. Who are you going for? That's a logic function problem. I, I, my head's won't explode on this. <laughs> Don't forget to check us out on Facebook.com at Facebook.com slash Face for Wrestling. We just keep you up to date with episode information and fun stuff like the GIF of the day. Follow us on the Twitter at Face for Wrestling, where I am constantly trying to get Stardom to reopen their damn online store so I can throw money at them. They need to hire Miss Tracy. Oh, absolutely. Miss Tracy, if you actually hear this, <laughs> you can like and subscribe to all of our episodes in audio format on iTunes and SoundCloud. You can also find them on YouTube where our startup episodes are in video format, constantly growing in popularity for some reason. Tell your friends about us and drop us a line. We do answer our comments, Crash Boy. Looking at you. Looking at you. Wait until next episode. We acknowledge you. And we do appreciate your help, by the way. Yeah, we, like I said, we accept 
and look for any criticism, any help, any whatever. It's a fan show. Let's get the fans involved. That's it for me, Waldo. And I'm the Matt. And Dr. Brian here at the Face Wrestling Podcast.